Welcome to WAPI Hour, a conversation hosted by InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions, giving voice to women seeking to live fully into their God-given callings and be a redeeming influence, whether in the university or beyond. We're talking this morning with Kim King, who is the author of When Women Give, The Adventure of a Generous Life that was recently published by InterVarsity Press. Thanks, Kim, for taking the time to talk with women in the academy and professions this morning. I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about your background, uh, maybe where you grew up, your schooling, maybe your career path. That would be great for us to know as an introduction to who you are. Okay. I grew up in Alabama, and I went to uh, the University of Alabama for my undergraduate work. And then uh, my junior year, I felt like law school was the right path. I went to law school there. And unlike almost everyone in my class, I did not go work for a law firm. Instead, I went to work for a corporation. Uh, and at that time, there were a few corporations that would hire law students without some prior work experience. But Exxon was one of those that would. And so I went to work with Exxon, now Exxon Mobil. And uh, I lived six years in New Orleans uh, doing their work. And then I've been in Houston since then. And recently, I guess you would say retired to focus more on writing. You mention this a bit in the book, but can you tell us uh, what motivated you to write When Women Give? And is is this your first writing project? You said you've retired a bit to do some writing, so I'm curious if this is your first writing project, and uh, you might tell us. Yes, it is my first writing project, and um, but I have a a long list of other ideas, and so we'll see. how that, how that turns out. What motivated me to write the book is that um, I was looking for a book like this when I came to realize that I had been blessed with much. And the reason for that was to bless others. I've been given much and that I was called to live generously, but I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of questions and also ran into some obstacles. Uh, I live in the world and have a lot of worldly influences, and and so it it was a challenge at times to continue to live generously. So I wrote this book, and when I I looked for a book like this, what I found is there were a lot of books that talked about why be generous, specifically the, the biblical basis for that. I did not find many books. I didn't find any books written by Christians on how to be generous, how to make wise decisions, Hmm. who to give to, uh, how to plan. And I didn't find any written on any of that written by a woman. Hmm. And I wanted um, a woman's perspective on this, a woman to share her experience on this path, which I expected to have some differences from that of of men. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, uh, you know, I guess it was in uh, one of my prayer times that I I prayed for that and felt like God was saying, well, okay, you write the book that you were liking. And so yeah, yeah, at some yeah. point I did that. Um, maybe at the end I'll ask you to tease us with a few of the other topics that you think you might, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that you might write on in the sure. future. Part of this book speaks to your own 
pilgrimage with giving. Can you talk a little bit about your own experience or background or we might even call it baggage around (laughs) giving and how you came to know when God was inviting you to enter into a more robust both understanding of as well as uh, experience or participation in giving? Sure. I grew up in a family that did not have much. It was pretty much hand, you know, hand to mouth kind of existence, but we had what we needed. But I knew at times that money was a tension within the family. Mm-hmm. And so when I got out of law school and was making a pretty good salary, I didn't have a great deal of debt, but I did have some. Frankly, what I wanted was not to have to think about money. I didn't want to spend a lot of money, but I didn't want to have to worry about money. And so I put things on autopilot. I didn't change my lifestyle a great deal. And the reason for that was I was working such long hours, I didn't have time to spend money. Hmm. And so everything uh, was put on autopilot And I, in in terms of saving, 401k plan, uh, all of that was available. Then came executive compensation, the same sort of attitude. And then I went to an event held by Generous Giving. And that's, it was like a great epiphany for me. And I realized that I had been blessed with much for a reason. And so I came back and, you know, made God a promise that I would give half of what I made away. Honestly, I really didn't know exactly how much that was (laughs) because I didn't know exactly how much I was making. But when I got back, I, I pulled out all my tax returns for my first year of work forward. I still had them. And I made two columns. One was how much I had made and one was how much I'd given. And what I found was that in the years that God was blessing me the most, I had given the least. Hmm. And uh, I thought I was generous, but I really, I really wasn't generous Hmm. at all. So that's how I got started. Great. You mentioned that you had this experience where you said to the Lord that I'll give half, half of what I earn away. What were your concerns or your fears at, at that point? Sort of, sort of when you got home yes, <laughs> after, yeah. you know, after the event, yeah. uh, how, how, how did you sort of, how did you come to grips with, oh no, what did I just, what did I just do? Well, I, I, one of the things I learned is it's really hard to embark and stay on this journey alone. If you're married, then that's a good person to be on this journey with. If you're not, then maybe a friend or friends can help. But the most important person is a Christian financial advisor. And I happen to be sitting next to one at this event. And he didn't try to solicit, you know, services or my solicit his services. And he gave me his business card and I followed up with him. And he has been instrumental in just mm. affirming what I'm trying to do, but my, maybe even more importantly, uh, in helping me to understand, you know, what I have, what I'm likely to have in the future, what I what I need in the future, uh, how to plan for caring for my elderly parents, mm-hmm. things like this. And so that that was my concern is that I really didn't know and hadn't focused much on my finances. I didn't know what how this would impact more the future than the present if I was going to embark on this journey. And then I would say 
maybe even equal to that was the fear that I didn't know how to give wisely. I didn't want to waste money. You know, I'd come to realize it wasn't mine. And I wanted to give to good organizations. You know, there are hundreds of thousands of nonprofits in the U.S. How do you pick one? Mm -hmm. And so it felt overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. Yeah. So you had your own, well, I would say you're probably still on your own pilgrimage of generosity, right? I am. And you learned several things along the way, and then you came to the point where you wrote this book. I'm curious, are there things that you actually learned while writing the book? Things that you discovered or things that struck you while you were writing the book that maybe thought you hadn't thought before or, or even a sense of, oh, I guess I'm at this point in my journey. I didn't realize that. But now that I'm writing the book, aha. Yes. There are several things. One, one thing I realized is that the, gen- uh, the general wisdom that you should give to only a few organizations is good advice. But I could not get there immediately. It mm. took, it, it's taken time for me to really begin to understand what my passion is and my purpose. And that giving is going to be connected with those two things financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's by God's design. So that has taken me time. The other thing I've learned is that as you start asking questions of nonprofits, that you know, giving to them is a step of faith, just like giving it away is a step of faith. Both. (laughs) They're really two steps of faith when you give. And so there's a limit on how much due diligence one can do or needs to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And after that, it's going to be a step of faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, without stealing the books under or giving anything away, can (laughs) can you talk about your giving journey and its effects on your own on your own soul, you know, your, your life with God and others? Mm-hmm. I, uh, yes, I, I asked the question of God. I said, if you want me to give this away, why give it to me in the first place? Why don't you just give it to the people who need it? You know, efficiency, right? Eliminate <laughs> the middleman. <laughs> and what I've come to learn is that God is all about relationship. And this is uh, a way for all of us to be on a journey with him and involved in his mission and, and grow and deepen our relationship. We'll begin to see people in the world through his eyes. Hmm. And the other thing that will happen is, you know, we say we want a miracle. We want to see a miracle. Well, in order to see a miracle, you have to get closer to where God is at work and where miracles are happening. Hmm. And they're not usually in some place that's going to be really comfortable and doesn't require much faith. And as we uh, are willing to step out and become a little uncomfortable and more trusting, we will Hmm. see God at work in ways that we would never see otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it seems like your own journey has taken you to new places, but as you've gone to those new places, it's really fortified your own your own faith and your own amazement at who God is and what he's doing. And so there's mm-hmm. just this sort of uh cyclical or <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. effect on the 
on the experience. That's great. Yes. Women in the academy and professions are primary target audiences, women who are in the academic space. They're in graduate school or professional school. They're working on PhDs. They're working on MBAs. They're working on law degrees. Or they're on faculty. They're working with undergraduate students or or graduate students. They're doing research. They're, um, mm-hmm. they're consultants. They're administrators. I'm curious why this might be an important book for women in this audience to read. Many of the women in this audience are going to have the opportunity to financially make more than they need. It may come right after graduation if you're, uh, say, a, a lawyer, or it may come much later as you establish your career and your credentials and are rewarded for your good work. This book, I think, uh, is important for women because women today have control of more wealth than ever before. (laughs) Um, It is amazing. The the percentage of of warriors that are women, the percentage of doctors, uh, the percentage of MBA students, the percentage of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And in addition, women live longer than men, unfortunately, still the case, and often marry later than ever before. So there is a great deal of uh, our lives where we are solely responsible for the blessings that God has given us. And we are given more than we need as part of our purpose, the way he's designed us and the way he's leading us into our calling. Yeah, great. So do you have suggestions on cultivating generosity uh, for students or new faculty. We talked, you just talked a little bit about where our audience is going to, you know, end up eventually. But while they're sort of on that journey, they're preparing again for new students or new faculty who are either living on meager salaries and or they're dealing with significant student loan debt. How can they begin to think about and even develop or cultivate generosity while they're still, you know, I know we always think, oh, I'll be more generous when I have more. But how can they cultivate generosity even when they sort of feel like they don't have a whole lot? Right. Cultivate a generous heart. uh, And then what will flow out of that is greater and greater generosity as you have more means. So I would encourage uh, women to, to give now give financially what one can and commit it, commit to it and see what God does in the way of provision for you. The other thing I would encourage women to do is to begin to discern, you know, what their passion is. And that, what I mean by that is, what is it that breaks God's heart that also breaks your heart? Because that is not by accident. It, it could arise from something that we, are, we have personally experienced. Uh, it could be something that we've just seen and had a great emotional reaction to. And that, that discernment is important because it will lead one to giving time and talent and financially. For instance, if you've been the victim of abuse, you may have a real heart for those victims. If you are a person of color, you may have a real heart for the difficulties that 
uh, people of color face. Those are things that come out of your experience, but but those are things that break God's heart, and mm. that may be where your passion is too. Mm-hmm. Together, then, those things help you grow in your generosity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been doing a book club this fall, reading Visions of Vocation, and one of the things that Steve Garber talks in the book is about how we learn to see the world as it really is and love mm-hmm. the world anyway. And then he talks about how our knowledge actually implicates us. And so I really appreciate the way that you've talked about how it is that we think about our giving and we mm-hmm. and how we are responsible for what we know and what we see. And how does that connect us with with God's own heart uh, for yeah. what's happening in the world. And, and that's one of the things that I found helpful in your book. You, you give a great list of further reading mm-hmm. at, at the end of the book and other resources, including some of this, how to discover where your passions are and mm-hmm. how to connect that to giving. So I, I found that to be a real tangible help in the book. It's interesting that you don't get lost in the weeds of percentages and tithing. So I think that's really interesting. Do you want to say anything about that? I mean, your, your push is to be generous without, without putting any kind of parameters on the generosity. So I'm just curious if if you had anything you wanted to add about that. Sure. Uh, The first thing I would say is there are different views on uh, the tithe and its basis in the Old Testament. And I really didn't want to go into a discussion of generosity with a position on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure pastors, theologians have talked a great deal about that. And for those seeking guidance, I would refer them to that. Mm-hmm. Having said mm-hmm. that, the nice thing about a tithe, whatever the percentage is, that one gives to one's church as a commitment is, I'll quote Mark Batterson, it's kind of insurance against greed. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you know, I do give a tithe, uh, and it's a good place to start. The other reason is, I think for a long time, we in the church have thought of generosity as giving to the church or giving that tithe, when our calling to be generous is much bigger than merely giving a tithe. And I wanted to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so... In the book, there is a, a form for and instructions or help on how to do a giving plan. And there's a place to put giving to your church. That may be a tithe or it may be uh, just a gift. And then there's a place to develop where else you want to give. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you. I think your biggest bang is in the last few pages of your book. I I love some of the things that you have to say in that next to the last chapter about freedom and joy. And then, and at the very end, you say, we will never experience security or happiness deeply until we cease striving to meet our needs in any place other than following Jesus. Other, otherwise, we live small lives trying to control our surroundings and seeking to fill our needs ourselves. I love that. I think that is such a, such a wonderful way to sum up what you are saying in the book and, and your invitation, right? Your invitation, that's God's invitation to all of us Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. sort of pick our heads up and to think bigger 
you call it an adventure, right? Yeah. Um, But to think bigger and to, and in some ways to redefine what we think we mean when we use words like joy and fullness. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so thank you for that, for that invitation, for helping us re sort of reframe how we, how we think about these things. Um, any, any final um, thoughts that you have or things that you think we should know or consider as we seek to be faithful in this particular area of discipleship? Uh, just a couple of things. It is a journey. Uh, just take the next step, however small that may be. Don't feel compelled to, to follow what I did or anyone else that I discuss in the book. There are a lot of stories in it. Just ask God what your next step is and go from there. The second thing I would say uh, to those in, uh, you know, not yet out in their profession is to give careful consideration to the lifestyle that you set as you begin to work uh, and you begin to make more money. Our lifestyle tends to increase as our income increases, and setting a lifestyle limit early will make being generous that much easier. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you for your willingness to chat this morning. Thank you for writing this book and for, Lord willing, setting uh, a number of other folks on this journey with you in, in generosity. So thanks. You're welcome. You have been listening to Wappy Hour. WAP, Women in the Academy and Professions, is a focused ministry initiative of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. Thanks for joining our conversation. We'd love to hear your feedback. To offer it or to learn more about who we are or the resources and connections we provide, we invite you to visit us at our online gathering place, The Well. You can find us at thewell.intervarsity.org.